Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to edition three of the one-on-one FPL podcast. Just two guys from down under who love their FPL. I'm joined again by my co-host, Jamie, aka FPL Cantona. How are you tonight, Jamie? Yeah, g'day, Dima. I'm going great, mate. Uh, uh, it was a good game. Uh, it was a good week of, of uh, Premier League this week. Um, so I'm pumped to have this conversation with you today. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Feels like it's uh, now been back for a while, even though we're only just at the end of game week two. Um, doing a little bit of an earlier podcast this week due to some other uh, commitments we both got. So we thought we'd uh, churn it out tonight. Uh, so we're not going to have all the information that we're hoping, but nonetheless, we can still do a pretty good wrap up and uh, predictions for the week ahead. So speaking of last week, how did you go? Yeah, so I finished up with the 71 points. Um, so I'm up to, yeah, green arrow, 30% green arrow. I'm up to 255,000 overall. Um, you know, pr- pretty, pretty decent week. Um, most of my players returned, which was great. Couple of, couple of big ones, uh, didn't return, but you know, it is what it is. How'd you finish up? Yeah, I got 76. So pretty happy. So I think last week you might've beat me by five and this week I beat you by five. So we're, both on the same amount of points, uh, both with that 5K overall, but most importantly, got the green arrow. So, and that's, that's all what you can about. do. Even if I've got to grind out a thousand uh, spot green arrow, I'm still happy. So, makes the week fly by better. You, you know, you got a bit of a spring in your step when you get the green arrow. Uh, last year, I had a really poor red arrow and, and that week went on forever. So, hopefully, I don't have to worry about that <laughs> time soon. Uh, I'll just get onto the rundown from last week, but uh, we'll yeah, just run through right now. So Villa at home uh, to Everton, beat them 2-1 uh, with a late surge, actually, from the uh, Toffees. Uh, Arsenal continued their good form, 4-2 over Leicester. Brighton and Newcastle, a 0-0 draw, which I don't think was that hard to predict, to be honest, looking at the way that those two teams sort of line up. Man City put four past Bournemouth. Could have been a lot more. Southampton leads drew 2-2 with uh, Southampton uh, coming from behind there. Wolves and Fulham as well played out a 0-0 draw after a Mitrovic missed penalty in about the 82nd minute. Brentford Man United, I'm sure we're going to cover off on that during this podcast at some point. Do we have to? Well, we have to at some point, I think. It was a nightmare (laughs) for us uh, United supporters. Nottingham Forest uh, getting the job done at home, 1-0 against West Ham. Crowd was electric. The crowd was up and about with such a big uh, history that they've got Nottingham Forest. It was as if they haven't been in the Premier League for 20-plus years, and that was the case. Chelsea big win against West Ham. Yeah, it was a huge win in the end. Uh, uh, another missed penalty as well in that game from Rice. Chelsea Tottenham probably played out the game of the round. Uh, two all with a very late 96-minute uh, equalise from Harry Kane. Highlight of that game, though, was uh, Tuchel and uh, Conte straight after the final whistle, though. So that was probably just as entertaining as the game. And earlier this morning here in um, Australian time, Liverpool-Crystal Palace, a 1-1 draw after Crystal Palace went ahead and Liverpool, down to 10 men, uh, were able to salvage a draw from a uh, Diaz rocket from outside the box. So... Just my little quick kind of wrap up there with the teams and the way they lined up and things that were different from week to week. Villa moved into that front three. So they had uh, Watkins and Ings with uh, Coutinho behind them. He went off injured Coutinho in the 59th minute. 
and his replacement, uh, Buendia, sat in behind those front two. So that might be the way. Buendia came on and he looked very good off the bench. Um, He had expected goals of 1.3. He he caught my eye there. He had two shots in the box as well. Yeah, no, he, he looked he looked very solid, and um, you know what does that mean for our boy uh, Bailey? I don't know whether he's going to be able to get get back up the uh, pecking order, considering that they scored uh, the two goals compared to obviously zero in game week one. Leeds and Leicester going forward, they both look very good, but they both look very shaky at the back. So yeah. you could almost say that if you're playing against either of those two teams, you'd probably want one of your strikers, attackers, um, but at the same time that if you owned one of those two teams and you own one of the defenders, you wouldn't probably be very sort of happy with that. Yeah, and you're spot on there with that. Um, Leeds are a team, they strike me where they simply want to attack. They want to play exciting football. They want to attack. Um, they want to be on the front foot and they don't mind if they can see because they, they're going to back themselves in if they score. Um and we'll talk a bit about Leeds a bit later. Leicester play a bit similar, but you'd think that their defence would hold up a little bit more, considering, you know, they've got some de- decent defenders there. But, you know, maybe maybe the keeper, the defence are getting used to each other. Who knows? Um, well, but but yeah. moving forward, they look good. Yeah, and Ward uh, made a shocking mistru- mistake for the third goal when he just should have either punched the ball or catch it. So... Ward's still in my 15, but let's see if he's in my starting 11 later uh, during the podcast. West Ham, I thought, were pretty unlucky. I know that they ran into Forest, you know, first uh, game at home in the Premier League for 20-odd years, but they did have a uh, expected goals of 2.67, and they did miss a penalty. So even though West Ham are still yet to score, uh, I don't think they're too far away from scoring, um, you know, hopefully I think it's week. a matter of time. You'd, you'd well, think it'd be a matter of time. They've still got a you know strong attack. Bowen hasn't got going yet. Skamaka hasn't hasn't been involved yet. You know he'll they'll introduce him soon. They've still got you know some other handy players up there. So I think it's just a matter of time until they get going. Yeah, and then you've got the Chelsea Tottenham game. So Chelsea looked pretty good going forward, but they just couldn't find that finish and that and just that polish when it uh, came to finishing. They've actually had the most crosses in the league this year and nine more than any other team. So they have just been peppering, putting balls in the box, but they just haven't had that end product. Jeez, it would be nice if they had a Drogba still there or, you know, uh, Diego Costa, one of those types of players, which they really are severely lacking. Um, just a target yeah. in the box. And, yeah, well, and who that, and that work, you know, that that's that we we mentioned last week, where James had, you know, a record amount of crosses into the box. Um, if if Havertz could have finished that one, um, where James just gave him a peach, um, that could have changed the game. Yep. Now, what else caught my eye was Bournemouth only had ten. Uh, sorry, Bournemouth only had ten shots in the last two game weeks. So. That's saying a lot, considering that they won in the first week of the season. So let, let's see how they go this week versus um, a very in-form Arsenal side. And the last thing that, I guess, caught my eye or from the wrap-up was Manchester United. So uh, they're just going from bad to worse. There's complete club turmoil. We will talk about it a bit later during the pod. But, geez, when you talk about you know chasing a... Uh, 
Green Arrow, well, the only way is up at the moment for Man United. So that's probably the one thing that you can say that is positive about them at the moment in that the only way is up. Now, Well, they've caught your eye. They've blinded me with that performance. Um, <laughs> just hard to watch. But a special mention, if we just go back to Chelsea Tottenham, a special mention has to go to to Tuchel and Conti for the Hell in a Cell match that they put on for the <laughs> WWE Heavyweight Championship. I mean, they had they had three goes at it, um, two during the game, one afterwards with that Sylvester Stallone rock-solid handshake or that Arnold Schwarzenegger predator handshake, you know. Um, but that, that, that was good to see. I didn't, I didn't mind that at all. A bit of passion in the heated London derby. Um, you know, and to finish like that with that last minute goal, um, you know, just that that's why we watch football, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly right. And um, moving on to the fixtures for this week, uh, Jamie, any any uh, particular fixtures that uh, you think might might I guess bear some fruit? Yeah, so the um, the the early kickoff on Saturday, Spurs are taking on Wolves. Uh, we know that Wolves struggle uh, going forward. You know, they struggle to break down size. They're good on the counter. They can use the pace of Neto and, and Podence. I think they'll really struggle against Spurs when they're playing, you know, three out the back with the two wing backs. So I think that Spurs could be in a really good position to to just build the play from the defence. Um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see who Conti starts, you know, Sessegnon has had a really good start to the year. Um, will he keep his spot or will Pedisic finally uh, get a look in? And will we finally see Doherty uh, on the right-hand side? Um, but, you know, it could be a fixture where it's return of Son Dimmer. Uh, this could be the game where Son, you know, gets his season going. Um, yeah. I mean, with that, if uh, Spurs score early, and Wolves then obviously then would need to open up, that could be four or five minimum. So hopefully Wolves can kind of hold them until half time, and then they might be able to hold them uh, to maybe one. But, geez, yeah, Spurs moving forward, especially in that first game against Southampton. Spurs, once they're on a roll, they're very, very hard to stop. You know, and yeah. they also scored two goals away at uh, Stamford Bridge, which is no mean feat either. No, no, that's that's not an easy thing to do. So, you know, the way that they can score goals, Spurs, um, they've got that you know really strong attack where you know you need to be prepared to to cop some goals when you when you play against them. Um, that's caught that that fixture caught my eye. Moving on to to Bournemouth Arsenal, um, I didn't know that's that that Bournemouth have only had ten shots in two games. So, um, you know, the Arsenal defence, Saliba. Uh, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Ramsdale owners. Hopefully there's a clean sheet coming your way there. Um, and because Bournemouth are no real uh, threat going forward like Wolves, Arsenal should be able to just you know control the play, control the ball, um, dictate the play they wanted to go. And then you, know, you, you would think their, their attackers could have a field day. So it could be, again, uh, it could be the start of things for Saka. Uh, he could really kick on his season here. Um, then we go on to Leeds-Chelsea. I'm actually really looking forward to this game. Leeds, uh, as I mentioned, you know, they don't leave uh, 
they don't leave it on the line. They they really go out there and attack the game. So I fully expect them at home to take on Chelsea. Uh, so I think that there will be goals galore in this one. I think Leeds will score. Um, and, and it's just a matter of how, how many do Chelsea score. Uh, going on to Newcastle, Man City, uh, I'm looking forward to this fixture too because we finally get to see Man City against a decent defence like Newcastle. Um, and then we'll get to see, you know, the progress that Newcastle have made. And, of course, we, you know, it'll just be good to see some more Man City assets. You know, your Foden, Mares, Gundogan, Haaland, De Bruyne. It'll just be good to see how they go. And then the Tuesday fixture, Man United-Liverpool. I'm not looking forward to this one. Uh, this could be scary. This could be a cricket score dimmer. Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it either. Uh, Man United, as we know, they got their they got their troubles. All my mates that don't follow Man United have let me know all week about the way that we're performing, and that probably won't stop in between now and the start of the game week. So the only way that stops is if Man United are able to grind out a draw or at least get some sort of a result. But you know, let's a uh, long way back from here. Now moving on to the villain or the spud of the week. Um, I'll just kick on with kick off with my two. So my villain of the week is Steven Gerrard for benching Bailey. So myself, yourself, Jamie, and a lot of other people out there were hoping that when they named the team sheet and we were all hoping that he'd be on there. But unfortunately, he started on the bench. Coutinho got injured in the 59th, as I said, and I was hoping, oh, here we go. Bailey's coming on and did not come on. So he's looks like he's the second string option this week or the second drop. So let's see uh, whether or not that changes in the near future. Now, the spud of the week for me is, and I do know someone who actually did this, anyone who sold Jesus for one of Mitrovic or Darwin. Um, As we know, Jesus, 19 points, two goals and two assists. Hmm. Mitrovic, minus one after missing a penalty. Darwin, minus two after getting sent off for a... Headbutt, that was the typical Liverpool kiss. So you just got to, you know, when you do select these sorts of assets, you got to hold them for, you know, a block of three or four weeks. I think we might have said it last week. But at the same time, sometimes in the past, people have taken that sort of gamble and it has paid off. But that's exactly what it is. And, and it's a gamble. So that's my spot of the week. Jamie? Oh, mine would have to be the entire Man United starting eleven. Just didn't show anything all game. Um, I won't. I won't harp on about it too much. But um, yeah, definitely my spud uh, broke my heart. So we'll just leave it there. and We'll move on to the eye test. I think Dimmer. All right. Well, we'll get on to the eye test. So what caught my eye, which is the good, was uh, the game by Kevin De Bruyne at. $12.1 million. He's had a price rise earlier today. Scoring 14 points, scored a goal, got an assist, and was just in everything. Everything went through him, it just seemed like. Um, he uh, he was the maestro. He pulled all the strings, and all the Man City players around him are much, much better players when he's on the pitch. So he's, you know, he's that one City midfielder who's nailed. Uh, so, yeah, as far as passing the eye test, he well and truly passed the eye test. Uh, Arsenal's threat going forward. So two goals in week one and four goals uh, on the weekend against Leicester. Six goals in two games and they're playing Bournemouth this week. So let's see what they do moving forward. It just seems like 
the one piece of the puzzle that they were missing last year was that was that centre forward. Now they've finally got it. So let's see how the how the wingers and the centre mids behind Hastus uh, perform this week. As we said before, leads are looking very lively. Probably the two picks of the bunch, uh, Rodrigo and uh, Harrison. Rodrigo is the highest scoring midfielder at the moment. So he's scored uh, one goal in week one and two goals on the weekend. So yeah, he's on fire. Yeah, he is, isn't he? And obviously with um, Bamford as well now being injured, uh, Rodrigo is probably nailed to almost play as that striker option now because James won't be that option because, as we know, James is a winner. Can't finish. Nah, he's not a great finisher, especially when you, you, know, you look at him compared to some of the other Leeds assets now. And would Rodrigo be on penalties now because Bamford's out? Uh, with no Rafinha and Bamford, yes, I'd say he would be on penalties too. Yeah, so he, he could be a really good shout and good value at 6.1 to lead the line for that attacking Leeds team, yeah. Yep, yep. Now, the others that caught the eye was uh, De Silva from Brentford. Now, $4.6 million. he's also gone up in price recently. He's a very easy move if you've got Bailey and you wanted to save some cash and you wanted to get rid of Bailey. But just proceed with a bit of caution with De Silva. One, Brentford have just brought in Damsgaard, who looks like once he's you know been with the team for a week or two, will probably start. And that means someone's got to come out and he plays a very similar role to De Silva. The other reason to proceed with caution is he only performed well on the weekend against Manchester United. So it's very hard to read that form line at the moment. They have conceded the six goals in two games and the four in 30, 35 minutes um, on the weekend. So, look, at that price point, he's not so much of a gamble because he's only 4.6, but it's just more about that if he starts to start on the bench, then you're obviously going to have that spot taken up by him. His price will probably come down too because people start to sell him quickly. So... Just proceed with caution. Here's an interesting uh, one too. For uh, De Silva, he had expected goals of 0.02 and he scored. Now, for the listeners out there, that is sweet FA. Um, but he, he, he got lucky. Um, so well, just... As Dima said, just be careful out there. And you know he was playing. He was playing against a weak side in Man United. Uh, and then next week he goes on and plays a slightly stronger side in Fulham. So, well, when we think about his goal and to not harp on it anymore, but that was the De Gea howler that went yeah. basically through his hands. Which I think, I think that I think that I would have saved that to be quite honest. Yeah. So, but but it's very it's very hard to be. Uh, critical of De Gea with what he's had to go through over the last seven or eight years at United. Uh, I was also impressed with Chelsea's right-sided play. So Loftus-Cheek started there, and I thought he did quite well. And then after Son went off and James didn't essentially have to man-mark him anymore, James then went out to the right wing and was, was absolute dynamite out there. Put in that cross, as we said, that should have got finished by... Uh, high habits and then obviously scored the goal to put them 2-1 ahead. So he looked really good, James. So a lot of their play started on the left and they switched it to the right. So just something to be mindful of of those Chelsea right-sided assets. Jamie, was there anything that uh, caught your eye on the weekend as far as the good goes? Yeah, so 
Uh, Neko Williams uh, at 4.0, playing right wing back for Nottingham Forest. Uh, No player had more shots than Neko Williams in the entire game. Um, Now, you know, that's a really surprising stat. So if you have him and you're considering, you know, what to do with him, um, or if you're thinking of freeing up funds and, and you want to find a cheaper defender, uh, Neko Williams could be the way to go. Uh, he was playing like Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, he was getting forward. He was having shots. Uh, he had a good game. Uh, also, another one is Gundawan. Uh, he had five penalty area touches uh, at the weekend, you know, all in central positions. Um, and that was only in 62 minutes of football, you know, so I'll put a caution out there. He can get dragged pretty early. Um, you know, however, if, if Bernardo Silva's on the way out, Gundogan could be stapled in, into that midfield spot, you know, he gets forward. Um, so he caught my eye. Um, and then also, uh, Pascal Gross from, from Brighton, um, you know, he's, he's looking like he's a good option there. He's joined top with, Jesus for shots in the six-yard box in the first two game weeks, second among midfielders for expected goals. He might be on penalties now uh, because uh, Mopai might be uh, joining Nottingham Forest over there. He's got good fixtures coming up, so that's that's one to watch there in the midfield. If you're you know, trying that gross, though, is his form line in week one, he kicked two goals against a very poor Manchester United. So one to watch, I'd say. <laughs> we made him look good. And then the last one is uh is Pope in goals. He you know, he was pulling out saves from everywhere against Brighton. Uh he he kept Newcastle in the game there. Uh very impressed by by what he had to offer. Um so that was the good from me, Dimmer. Um over to the bad. I don't have I don't have much bad to speak about. I'll just say once again I'll highlight Liverpool's slow start. Uh, I fully expect them to get going again. Uh, it's just a matter of you know, you know, hitting hitting the gears earlier in games. So I'll just say that uh, I wasn't too impressed with how they started. Okay, well, yeah, look, I'm probably the same in that I didn't see too much bad on the weekend, other than the leading obvious. But you know, probably the things that I noticed bad on the eye test was the rotation again through City's midfield. So. You know, for Pep to bench Phil Foden at half time after a goal and an assist because he didn't square the ball to Harlan for a very easy tap in just shows that Pep, no one's safe in that team except probably De Bruyne and Harland as far as like the midfield and forward assets. Jeez, uh, it would have been nice if he had a squared that ball because yourself, myself, and a lot of other of the listeners out there did put the big uh, captain's armband on Harlan. So, yeah, but it shows the standard. It. it shows the standard that Pep, you know, has at City. Um, if you're not making those, you know, if you're not playing with your head up and looking for that next pass, even though you know you're half a chance, um, he, he's not scared to drag you. Um, so, you know, that's where they're at, and that's why they're the best team in England. Yep, and probably the world at the moment, just the way they're playing. The other bad for me, I just one more. Darwin Nunes, who a lot of people transferred him in this week. A lot of wildcard teams for game week two brought him in. A lot of wildcards went very, very big up front. 9.1, scored a minus two this week. So got sent off uh, roughly about the 55th minute for just a blatant headbutt. Uh, Just 
uh, Klopp after the game said, you know, even though he did react to something, it wasn't the right way to react. So he's going to be out now for the next three. So that's three games without Darwin Nunes. Firmino's looking like he's still a little injured. Jota's still injured. So it'd be very interesting to see who's going to play that. Maybe it will be a false nine this week. We'll wait and see. So Salah, we know, will be on one side. Diaz will be on the other. But, yeah, who do, who, who do they play through the middle? Again, they're only playing Man United, though, so they probably don't even need to have a striker um, for this You wouldn't this think game. they need to worry too much, no. Now, Jamie, do you, did you have any stats of the game week or anything, anything that you've uh, been able to research? Yeah, so 265,000 people last week, and so far this week, 13,970 have transferred out Jesus after his um, first game week performance. Now, this game is a marathon. Uh, even though he didn't deliver in game week one, he showed positive signs. Um, everything you would want from a striker. He was in the good positions. He was in the box. He was having shots. He was laying it off. He just didn't get the end product. So it's nothing uh, to get too concerned about so early on. We know that um, he's a player you would want to keep in your team for the long term. So that's that there, Dima, just surprised me a lot when I actually saw how many people took him out. Uh, They're being punished for it. So I think... uh, They've learnt their lesson pretty quickly about that one. <laughs> Not any point. You'd be you'd be livid, wouldn't you? Um, oh yeah. My stats of the game week. So it's not so much for the game week. It's since February, but since February, Man United have not won one game at home. Sorry, they've lost all their away games, and in that time, they've scored two goals and they've conceded twenty-one. So we can say that the wheels have fallen off now, but the wheels fell off a long time ago. But if we want to relate this back to FPL, 213,000 FPL players out there, triple captained Harlan this week. So we talk about Foden not squaring the ball to Harlan. 213,000 players around the world all screamed at the TV, I reckon, um, during that play. So very unlucky. Um, But at the same time, Harlan only had eight touches of the ball before he got substituted in about the 65th, 70th minute. So whether that was because he was getting man-marked or whether he essentially drew players towards him, which then freed up all the others around him. But, you know, last year, if that happened to uh, Lukaku, it would have been all over Twitter. Everyone would have been getting stuck into him. But because it's Haaland, because he scored twice in week one, seems to have been forgotten out there in uh, Twitterland. Um, on to the long ball of the week. So the segment where we we essentially choose something that's probably a bit of a gamble, something that is probably not very likely, but something that's worth at least having a mention. So, Jamie, have you got your long ball of the week? Yeah, Rodrigo to continue his fine, fine form against uh, Chelsea with a goal. Uh, I'm going to back him in here. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a penalty. Let's just say it's going to be a header from a corner, but I think he's going to get on the score sheet this week. Okay, well, Chelsea did uh, concede a pen, um, conceded from uh, the corner this week, obviously Harry Kane's goal. So, yeah, that's a possibility. Um, my long ball of the week. So I watched the Aston Villa uh, Everton game on Saturday night here in Melbourne, Australia. And that whole game turned when Onana 
what's my name, came off the bench and completely turned the game. He he sort of reminds me of a Pogba. Probably got a much better attitude than Paul Pogba, but he just reminds me of Pogba, that big, powerful, strong midfielder. Uh, he was making runs. He was getting into the box. He was push, pushing and shoving people. And I just I, I thought that the whole game changed when he actually came on the on the pitch. So I'm going to predict this week that he starts and he gets a return versus Forrest. So a bit of a long ball there, but he'll definitely be one that's on my watch list. He's only priced at 5.0. So he's one that could be potentially an option there for those that have got Bailey, etc., who want to move them on. Now, moving on to the best captain choice of the week. So we actually did our weekly poll this week on Twitter. And we put it out there, who's the best captain choice out of Salah, Kane Son, Jesus, or Harlan slash KDB? And the results were 6% were for Kane Son, 10% for the Man City boys, Harlan or KDB, 39% for Jesus. So after scoring the big 19-pointer, a lot of people have jumped on. And 45% still have Salah as their preferred captain choice. Now, I did get a special mention in uh, the comments about Vardy from a few people. Um, So, Jamie, any thoughts on those six or seven players? And have you made your mind up yet about who you're looking to potentially captain? I'm I'm still not fully settled. I'm still waiting on information. But that... that I'm, I'm, I'm expecting in the next few days I'll make a decision. Um, I think that just spells out that a lot of people are expecting Salah to just run right against Man United, and I can fully see that happening, especially if he's playing against Shaw. Um, we know Shaw's not the hardest worker in the room, um, so Salah could run rings around him. And then, you know, there's Ten Hag start Malasia there, you know, baptism of fire. Uh, mm. To start a Premier League game against Salah, I'm not sure if he would if he would throw him in the deep end like that. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, the other one that I'm probably eyeing up is uh, is Jesus, and I think everyone in Twitterland there agrees uh, he he could go off this week against against Bournemouth. I think Arsenal are just going to hog the ball. Uh, they'll do what they want with that Bournemouth defence. So it, it's probably down to Salah and Jesus for me. Um. Yeah, that's probably where I'm at at the moment. And how many people did we actually uh, respond to the poll? Was it over 150? No, it was. It was even more than that. We ended up getting uh, 200, 200 odd uh, responses. So it's starting wow. to grow. Starting to grow. The the one on one FPL podcast is getting out there. So we're starting to grow a bit, which was good. So uh, for me, if I was putting out there right now, same as you, I need more information, but. I'd say it's probably a toss-up between Salah, Jesus, but I haven't ruled out Harlan because I've just got this feeling that whenever you're going to doubt any of the Man City assets, they could go off. Um, on Salah, Salah scored five goals against Man United last year in the two fixtures, three and two. Um, Man City last year against Newcastle, same fixture, put four past them. So there's a number of options there. And as we said about uh, Jesus, they look like a completely different team now with him up front, and he's pretty much spearheading everything that they're doing moving forward. So, again, not sure which way I'm going, but it's I'll probably know after the manager press conferences later this week. 
On to buy, hold, sell, wait. So I'll just fire a few names at you, Jamie, and give us your buy, hold, sell, wait. Let's start with Trippier at 5.0. If you want to move on to a player, if you haven't got a James or a second city defender, uh, I would sell him. Um, if, if you've got someone in the midfield who can play this week, uh, hold him um, because he's got a good fixture next week. You reckon sell? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I'll talk about that when I reveal my team later. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a hold because next week he's got Wolves. And as we know, Wolves are struggling moving forward. So for me, for me he's a hold, but uh, time will tell what happens in between now and the rest of the game week when we get more information. On to Neto, 5.5. If you need to downgrade someone, to have funds to put somewhere else for an upgrade, I'd sell Neto. Um, you know, he's probably the most likely in that weak Wolves team, so it's not a lot to, to hang your hat on. Um, but I, I would say if you need a downgrade, sell him um, or just hold him if you, if you can bench him against Tottenham this week. Okay. Well, for me, he's a hold because of I checked the Wolves players' heat maps and he was the most advanced player for Wolves, and he almost scored. The ball just kind of sort of bobbled away from him. Um, but, yeah, played very advanced. The other reason is a hold for me for the moment is after this week, so he's got Spurs away this week, but then he's got Newcastle at home, Bournemouth, and then Southampton at home. So for me, there's, there's some fixtures there that they could actually go after. Maybe not the Newcastle, but if for me, if... You can afford to keep him on the bench for two weeks. You might see a return in that uh, game week five and six. But as uh, you said, that if you need the funds to spread somewhere else, that's when we might see him out of the side. On to Leon Bailey, 5.0. Yeah, 5.0. It won't make or break your side. So I'm happy I'm happy if you just hold him. I'll, I'll be holding him. Um, 5.0. He can just sit on my bench until I wildcard, I think. Yeah, I, I'm the same as well. I'm a, I'm a hold, but I mean, if there's a, if there's a 4.5 to 5.5 to kind of come out of the woodwork and start to dominate fantasy FPL, that's when I'd probably be looking. But it's all about the team sort of balance too. On to Tony from Brentford, who started the season off extremely well. His price went up today, 7.1. If you're looking to get a third attacker, I'm just assuming you have Haaland and Jesus or Kane. Uh, I think Tony is the way to go. He is on my watch list. He is he's impressive to me. He ticks all the boxes. He's on penalties. Brentford are an attacking team. Um, you know, as a defender, you'd hate to play against this guy. He's just he makes smart runs. He's strong. He's quick. Uh, so uh, he's a buy for me if you want to get a third attacker. For me, he's a buy, but it's about team balance. And as you said, Haaland and Jesus means you've probably got a four and a half forward. So you've got to find 2.6 million to be able to get to him. So it's probably one of those things where it's going to come down to your team balance and whether or not you wanted to sacrifice maybe one of your 8.0 midfielders and then maybe you can downgrade them and then get and then go to Tony. But yeah, like as far as form and fixtures, he definitely warrants a buy pending the team balance for me. Uh, you touched on him before, but Gross from Brighton, 
Yeah, gross. Uh, I would, I would. Uh, he's definitely on the watch list. Um, as I as I mentioned earlier, you know, he's getting in the box. He's having shots. Um, I would, you know, if you, if you're looking to offload Neto and go somewhere else, someone a bit more attacking and exciting, uh, he's a buy for me. I think he's a perfect sideways move if you wanted to make a transfer Neto to Gross. Um, it again would probably come down to what are the fires that you got to put out in your team, um, and that's where a sideways move you usually make when you know you're pretty happy with your side. So five point six though, and he started the season off extremely well. Mitrovic six point six. Hold. Uh, I don't see him missing penalties every week. Um, you know, Fulham still look like a good team. Um, you know, he's he's the main man leading the line up there. So hold. Uh, would I, I would I would wait. I would wait to buy him as well, um, and just just you know just see how he reacts after that game there. But but hold. So 13 points in week one, and if he didn't miss that penalty, he would have got nine. So he would be the highest scoring player in the game. He'd be on 22 points, but instead he's on 12 because he obviously scored minus one. So had he scored the penalty, I think his price would go up probably point point two this week because everyone would be bringing him in. So it really is a game of inches. And but for me, he's a wait and see purely because of their fixtures. I think there's a couple of tough uh, fixtures coming up, um, you know, for Fulham. So you know, for me, probably a hold at this stage and wait and see. But you know, they got a nice one this week against Brentford at home. Then they're playing Arsenal away, Brighton at home, which, as we know, Brighton are hard to score against. Then Tottenham and then Chelsea. So you might be looking at. Mitrovic, for me, in about game week onwards, when the fixtures do start to open up there for Fulham. Could be a wild card, bring him in. Yeah, exactly. Cucurella, 5.0. Chelsea had his first start against Tottenham. Cucurella. Conti came out and said uh, an interesting thing about him. He just said that Cucurella, you know, he's probably got that rhythm about him where he's ahead of Chilwell at the moment. So he may be playing in that left wing back position for a little while more um, because we know that Chilwell's coming back from that long-term injury. So, you know, if you're if you're one of the guys trying to offload Trippier, Cucurella could be an option there. He's a buy for me to get into that Chelsea defence. Okay. For me, he's a, he's a wait purely because of the uncertainty around the Chelsea back four or back five. I think that if Chilwell comes back, Chilwell will play left wing back. Cucurella's got the flexibility to play left centre back as well. But I think with uh, with the back three last night performing pretty well of James uh, two nights ago, James, Thiago Silva and Koulibay, uh, I'm not sure if, if they're all fit. I'm just not sure if he gets a run. So for me, though, that if he was nailed every week, he's a... 100% buy at that price point of 5.0 to be able to get into the Chelsea back four or five. That's a complete no-brainer, but I'm just not sure about his minutes just yet. Uh, Rodrigo, 6.1. Yeah, buy. Yeah, I think that's a, that's it's pretty simple, but it's about 
do you go Rodrigo or do you spread your funds elsewhere, really? That's really the only thing that would stop you from probably going there. Leeds' fixtures are pretty good. Nico Williams? Yeah, if you need to, um, if you're looking to spread funds elsewhere, uh, Neko Williams is a strong buy at 4.0. Yeah, he could be a set and forget, couldn't he? 4.0, use him whenever they've got a decent fixture. And then if they don't, you can just sit on your bench as a 4.0. And finally, man that probably hasn't found the form just yet, Sucker from Arsenal, 8.0. Sark is a hold for me. I think if you brought him in uh, pre-season, you know, you, you brought him in based on his performances last year and he was Arsenal's best attacking player last year. We know that he's going to get you, you know, good returns if you stay faithful to him. Um, I would hold Sarka and keep the faith. Now, if you've got Sarka and you, and you don't have Jesus, well, that's a different story. Um, you know, you might give Sarka one more week. If he doesn't perform this week, then you might, you know, ship him out and, and bring Jesus in. Uh, but Saka's a hold for me. He's a quality player. You know, everything, most things go through him. You know, most of the most of the players look for Saka on that right wing. So that, yeah. that's where I'm at, Dimmer. For me, he's a hold, as we know, quality player. But if you don't have Jesus or you don't have Martinelli, I think he's a sell. Martinelli... Is 6.0 yeah. or sorry, 6.2 now. So you can move those funds to Martinelli, who scored in both of the game weeks. So, but other than that, Saka's a quality player. Even if you've got triple Arsenal, having a look at their fixture moving forward, uh, they look like they're going to score goals every week for the next four or five game weeks. So, no, nah, for me, he's a very, very easy hold. Um, so the question this week from Twitter comes from FPL Cancelo Culture. Like the name. What to do if you have a Liverpool defensive double up? Is it time to ditch one or should I be patient? Thoughts, Jamie? I'm, I'm in that exact position. Uh, and I, I mentioned this in the last week's pod um, where, or was it actually game week one, where Liverpool two years ago, their defence had a slow start to the year. Trent and Robbo didn't do much early on. Uh, I jumped off Robbo and it came to haunt me later on because once he got going, he couldn't be stopped. I find myself in that position now. They, they haven't returned for the first two game weeks. I'm not concerned. Trent, I don't think Trent will ever leave my team unless it's an injury. Okay, Robbo... I still have a lot of faith in him to perform well. So I'm not looking to get off Robbo. However, if you're eyeing someone off in the midfield um, or up top like a Tony, um, I would say just give Robbo one more week. Let's see what he does against Man United. You know, Man United should make him look good. He was still in a lot of attacking, you know, positions this game week. Uh, he was, you know, he was forward. You know, he still takes some of the corners there. Uh, he, he's still a really good asset at 7.0. Um, I actually just... This, I, I was considering this question, so I'm, I'm actually glad that uh, Cancelo Cultures asked it because I had a, I, I compared Robbo's points last year to Tony's. 
um, just to see where it's at because they're at that same price point. And uh, Robbo beat him by something like 60 points over the season. Um, and, you know, that's massive. You know, that, that's probably 60,000 positions in FPL. So for that reason, Liverpool are going to get the clean sheets. We know Robbo's going to pop up with with assists and start to get some goals. So just just be patient, hold him, um, and, and just see how things go over the next few game weeks. All right. Well, yeah, I'm also in the same uh, position. I've got Trent and I've also got Robbo. Uh, just on Trent, 7.5, he was the best player on the pitch last night by a mile. His, his through balls, his switch, it just everything he did was just magic. And if, uh, if Darwin could shoot, he would have scored a monster score last night because the amount of times he put the ball in a good position, there was that one that he crossed to the back post and Harlan just kind of scuffed it. So I think Trent's pretty unlucky. And the fact that he was a defender that didn't keep a clean sheet, didn't get a return and still got a bonus point, I think shows how well he actually played last night. Robertson at 7.0. Look, the only concern for me, because as we know, quality player, you know, fantasy Premier League, royalty. He was subbed off in the 62nd minute. Now, is there a reason for that? I know that they're obviously a man down, but, you know, I just thought that would it normally be him that would be substituted the 62nd minute? In the first week of the season, he did actually cramp up towards the later stages of the game. So maybe he's not as fit as maybe he has been in previous years. But again, as I said, quality player. I think you'll wait another week potentially two, because if he has a big score this week, you don't want to have sold him for someone else who blanks. So now if we talk about our sides for this week, as we said earlier in the podcast, it's probably a little bit early for us to go hard with what we're looking to do. Um, You know, I'm pretty happy with the side at the moment. I don't have any major sort of issues. The only thing for me is when I look at my side, which at the moment is Sanchez in goals, Trent, Cancelo, James, and Robbo. Salah, Bailey, which I'm going to have to gamble on at the moment, although I'll probably make that trade some somewhere later this week. Martinelli and Pereira. I like Fulham's fixture this week. Haaland and then Jesus up top with the other three boys on the bench, which are Trippier, just because he's playing Manchester City. Uh, Neto, they're playing Tottenham. And my 4.5 forward archer. So, look, I do have two free transfers. So, I do need to use one. Otherwise, obviously lose it. Still got 1.0 in the cap and not sure of captain. So, my probably what I'm looking to do is whichever player I bring in will start for me this week. And that will be in the space of Bailey, who will then probably go onto the bench. Uh Jamie, anything with your team in this early stage? You ever thought about a transfer yet? Um, well, I'll, I'll I'll just talk about the side I'm going in with at the moment. So I've got Ramsdale in goal against Bournemouth. I've got Trent and Robbo against United. Cancelo, James. I've got Trippier on the park at the moment. Uh, I've got Salah, Martinelli, Andreas Pereira in the midfield. I've got Jesus and Haaland up top. I've currently got the captaincy on Haaland, but that's just because I haven't looked at it in the last few days. Um, 
I've got Ward, Neto, Bailey and Archer on the bench. I've got 0.5 in the bank. I've always had game week three penciled in on the calendar to bring in Pedisic. I'm nervous to make that move though um, because I would – I just want to see him start a game first. Uh, I know he's racking up more minutes every week. Um, so I'll be – now Spurs are playing in the early fixture. So if we can get some early team news – if it's positive that Pedersic is going to start or he's wearing a bib in training, um, I'll be bringing him in. Um, otherwise, I'm tempted to to even go Trippier to Walker or even Cucurella. Um, I did, I did, you know, I did entertain, you know, looking at Robbo, you know, downgrading him and then upgrading Archer to Tony. I did play around with that, but I'm going to stay true to to what I, what I spoke about earlier. Um, so I think that I'll make a final decision uh, on Trippier in the next few in the next few days, and then I might even do the one, and then just roll the other transfer over to next week. You know, by by then we'll have more information, and then um, you know just make some more decisions later on. Then. Alrighty. Um, so for all of uh, the listeners out there, just a reminder of our Twitter handles: uh, FPL Dimmer for myself, and FPL Cantona 7 for Jamie. Um, if you'd like to send us through a question, um, please feel free to do so. You can obviously find us on Twitter with that. Um, just before we wrap up, Jamie, any final words? Yeah, in, in, enjoy this game week, guys. Don't you know? Don't be in a panic to, to get rid of someone because I had a crap week. Just just play the long game. Um you know, if you've got if you've got no fires, it's okay to roll the transfer. Avoid taking as many minus fours as you can, and let's get those green arrows. Yep, no, that's it. And yeah, I think as we as we always say on this show, it's just the game, and it's all about having fun, and it's all about you know the banter with you know friends, family, whatever else it may be. So make sure that whatever you're doing, and as far as fantasy goes, that it's a fun one. So. Good luck to everyone this week. Hope hope you can get the green arrow and we'll see you next week. See you, everyone.